You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The Natural Hat Trick with Luke Lipinski, Craig Morgan, and Jamie Eisner. Welcome into episode 241 of the Natural Hattrick Podcast alongside Craig Morgan. Natty Hatty. And Matt Lane. My mouth is touching like it. Oh, I, I, don't I don't even know what that accent was. I just got uh, And Matt Lehman. Hello. Good to be here. I'm Luke Lipinski. Gentlemen, how's everybody? Are you going to do the whole show in that accent? Probably not. Okay. I can't even remember it. I'm going to go. Can you remember it? I don't remember what I just did. Put my face in sort the of sanitizer English. to get rid of this microphone thing. Did you lick it? No, but like I, it bumped to the side of my face while mm. I was trying to introduce you. Oh, I got, I'm sure they changed these out every since the building was built. Mm. Maybe yeah. not. No, this is clearly. I think it, it's from the 60s. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. Mostly listener questions. We do, and I promised last week that if we didn't get to your question last week, we were going to try and roll them over into this week. So we're going to get to a lot of listener questions. I also I feel like I should say to everybody, congratulations, Jamie Eisner is still not here for one more week. Yes. Um, it is curious that the Colorado Avalanche are one point out of the second best record in the entire NHL, and Jamie just leaves mm. for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can't uh, can't take the heat apparently. Um. Rate and review the show, please. please. Please, please, please. Look at that. We didn't even plan that. And preferably do it now before Jamie gets back because your, your rating is probably going to go down. Should we start with the Coyotes? Should we just get right into it? Sure. All right. We are recording this on Tuesday morning. The Coyotes are flying to Vancouver with Craig Morgan here shortly. And the next four games, Vancouver, Calgary, Winnipeg, and Vancouver again, I would say it's the most important stretch of games they've had since the Western Conference Final. No question about it. Look, I, if they have a sort of a middling performance in these games, they're still going to be in it. But I, I think we can all safely say that if they drop the ball on this three-game road trip, they're done. So you've got to go up to Canada and you've got to perform. Yeah, and they've struggled on the road lately, 1-9-1. and one. So they need to rediscover whatever it was they were doing in the first half of the season when they were, what, the second-best road team in the NHL for a good chunk of the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. That being said, though, sorry to interrupt, but I actually, I mean, a lot of those road games came during the time that they were bad at home or on the road, right? I mean, apart from that back-to-back at, at Dallas and St. Louis, they've kind of played better since the last time they had a long road trip, which was when they went to Boston, Montreal, Toronto, and Ottawa. I remember that. They actually played well in Montreal and Toronto, too. They just laid an egg in that one period in Ottawa. Otherwise, that could have been a a decent road trip. Here's the thing now. In their last 10 games, they're 5-4-1. and 
and all five losses have been by a goal. So there's still losses, and unfortunately only one of those went to overtime, and it was the game they thought they had won against Toronto. But they are playing a lot better over the last month or so, and, and a lot of that was Antiranta playing out of his mind in February. So uh, you and I were talking before the show, Craig. I'm guessing these next four games, it's going to be two for Kemper and two for Ranta, but that's kind of a, just a guess at this point. Yeah, I don't know how it's going to play out. We, we asked Rick Taka that yesterday, and I, I think a lot of people were surprised that Darcy Kemper didn't play in that last game. But, you know, when you're coming back after missing 28 games, it's not like you just jump right back into that rhythm. Couple that with the fact that Antti Ranta is playing well and you're in a stretch where you need to win games. You kind of have to ride the hot hand, and I, I don't know how it's going to play out. They're they're going to go by feel, and Corey Schwab's input is going to be very important here. But Antti Ranta is going to have a significant role for this team down the stretch. It's not like they're just going to hand the reins back to Darcy Kemper at this point. 943 save percentage in February yeah, for Ranta. unbelievable month. He had an incredible month. He he looked like the Ranta from two years ago. I mean, people now forget, and I understand the frustration because he's been in and out of the lineup, especially the middle of this year when you didn't have Kemper, and then Ranta wasn't reliable to come in there and play. But you forget that two years ago, he put together a season that was basically as good as what Kemper put together last year. In fact, mm-hmm. it was better than what Kemper did last year. Maybe it wasn't as good as what Kemper did to start this year, but it, he can be outstanding when he gets into a groove, and he has. Yeah, and that's why they kept both of these guys around yeah <laughs> for instances i mean you, you didn't expect to have both of them injured at one point but this is why they kept them around so that you can rely on another guy when one guy is either injured or still working his way back into game shape yeah he's also just a talented player like i just it i think fans you know from what i've seen have kind of warmed back up to anti ronto a little bit but for a while there people saying they're fickle <laughs> people couldn't get him Emotional. out of town quickly enough and it just it didn't really make sense. It's like, why would you want a good player to leave town, you know? And this is a case study in why uh, he's so valuable. Yeah. I, I mean, we, we talked about it when he was not playing. The one, the one knock on him as a backup is you want to be able to, if your starter goes down, not immediately have to go to the AHL because your backup's going to get hurt quickly, too. But as far as just talent and when he plays... I, we almost, I almost ripped my hair out at the start of the year when people were saying, well, New Jersey needs a goalie, so trade them Ronta for Taylor Hall. It's like, you don't have to give up your number one goalie that is your number two goalie for a player, then don't do it. Why would you? Look at The best teams in the NHL now have two really good goalies. Yeah, and by the way, Ante Ronta, when you look at people, uh, goalies who've played a significant amount of games, he's in the top ten in save percentage yeah. in the league. So is Darcy Kemper, but I'm just saying... You've got two excellent goaltenders here. That's why this team is intriguing if they make the playoffs, right? Because you have those goalies. And I would assume Jacob Chikrin would be back before then. If they I'm just if you make the playoffs, you've got a really really good duo in net and a pretty solid blue line. And then from there, you know, we've seen their numbers this year. If they get three goals, they win pretty much every time. And if they get less than three goals, they lose most nights. Speaking of that blue line, Rick Taggart was talking about how their defensive zone coverage has been a lot better recently, too. They still had, you know, you still see some breakdowns. I think that's just going to happen naturally, uh, especially this time of year. Teams are pressing more. But their defensive coverage has looked a lot better recently. So those are good signs. And, and like you mentioned, I don't know when he's going to come back yet. We'll find out a little more about Jacob Chikrin, but he's really close. I, I suspect he's going to play at some point on this road trip. And then, as I noted in a, a column today, it'll be the first time they've had everyone available since the fourth game of the season when Nicholas Chalmerson was injured. <laughs> Un- unreal. Who's back first, Jacob Chikrin or Jamie Eisner? Mm, I mean, obviously one I'm is going more with valuable. Chikrin. Okay, good, good. That's the one you want to get back first. 
yeah, this stretch is is unreal. Vancouver is playing without their goalie. In fact, they're playing with Louis Domingue, which I think most Coyotes fans would love to see him start Wednesday's game. Remember what happened the last time the Coyotes saw Louis Domingue? They won seven to two over the Lightning. Seven one, I think seven it was. One. Yeah, yeah. lit him up for seven year. goals on thirty shots. I mean, they did that to Vasilevsky last time they played the Lightning they did. too. So just, they just don't Tampa Bay for some yeah. reason. Um, Ranta in his last five starts, four and one. The one loss, he made forty five saves against St. Louis and probably delivered the best goaltending performance from a Coyote we've seen this season. And that was his loss. Um, <laughs> we'll get more, I think, into the Coyotes when we have the questions coming up because we have a lot of uh, Coyotes-related contents in the second half of the show. But Calgary and Winnipeg also on this road trip. Either one of those teams scare you? Everyone scares. You should scare you at this point of the season. I mean, you don't know what teams are capable of. Neither one of them is playing all that well right now. They've been mediocre teams at home, too, which is interesting. But you just don't know what you're going to get at this point. I I mean, we've been, we've been talking about these games in hand for so long, but then you look at what the teams have done so far with those games in hand. Not much. Yeah, Vancouver's lost three in a row. Nashville's lost two in a row, including giving up a five spot in the third period last night to Edmonton. Yeah. When they were at home, by the way. Well, are we ready? Are you guys ready to join me in my Edmonton as a lock to make the playoffs? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Edmonton's in. He's got them playing really well right now, and those two players are just locked in. Well, Drysaddle won the heart last night. Yes, he did. Okay. Won the hearts of North America last night. He's Uh, he's the heart trophy winner. Yeah. No question. Not even a debate at this point. Kyler Yamamoto is not going to win Rookie of the Year. He's been amazing yes, he for them. Has. That drop pass from one foot away from the goal last night against Rene, right to drop. I mean, look, if I, if I had Drysidle on my line, I would find him at all times anyway. But uh, did you see Drysidle's fourth goal mm-hmm. where he was like box, boxing out a defenseman? <laughs> like he was playing all. basketball. Um, okay, so real quick here then. If we're saying that St. Louis, Colorado, who, by the way, have both won seven in a row, Dallas, Vegas, and Edmonton are in. Correct. We've got... We have to keep Minnesota in this conversation. Yes, it's really annoying that we have to talk about Minnesota still. They don't even want probably to be some there. people that think we should be talking about the Blackhawks still too. But uh, we'll get to that. Yeah, don't no. worry. Uh, they, Sorry, I'm not going to do that at the moment. We're just going to focus on. Here's what I'll give you on the Blackhawks. That's all anybody really ever wanted on the Blackhawks. Calgary, Vancouver, Nashville, Winnipeg, Arizona, and Minnesota. I think Nashville's getting in. I'm not sold on Vancouver at you, all. You still think Nashville's getting in? I mean, they do have two games in hand on the Coyotes, as do the Minnesota Wild. As does the Minnesota. Yeah. Do, does, do. Oh, I hate those things. That's why names. they Minnesota's disqualified. Alone, right? Yeah. yeah. Get that out of here. Nash, you're right. Nashville has just burned through these games in hand. Two games in hand, they, and they got buried at home last night. Don't they play at Minnesota next? I would not want to play Edmonton right now. Is it possible for both teams to lose a game? <laughs> yeah, they're they're at Minnesota tonight. I'm sure they're feeling really good about themselves after that loss. And Second half of a back-to-back after losing 8-3 to to the Oilers. Yes. You know, like sort of game Minnesota will win and they'll climb back. What could go wrong? Yeah, so I guess, I mean, the, the team points-wise that has the biggest advantage is Calgary because they're up to 75 points. But that should be a playoff team just because they have Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk and Sean Monaghan. But they're a little beat up on the blue line. I don't, I'm not sold on them. They've been and so up and down, too. This is right here for the Coyotes. It is. It's there. Nobody has more than, what, two games in hand now? Yeah. So, yeah, it's there. You just got to win. You got to take care of business. And this is what you were playing for through February. February was such a daunting month in terms of the quality of opponents, but also the second part of that was none of them were teams the Coyotes were competing with in the standings. Mm-hmm. It was all the only Western Conference teams, conference teams were Dallas and St. Louis. Everybody else was high end Eastern Conference teams. So now 
you start to stretch off. I mean, they're going to play Vancouver three times in the next 15 games. That's crazy. That'll decide it probably right there. It may. So Those last two games. If you looked at the last two games on the schedule. Vancouver and Winnipeg. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could be an interesting building if it, yeah. if it comes down to that, huh? But this is fun, right? I mean, here we are, 15 Absolutely. games left, and, and like you can't wait till the next game. So um, I'll tell you who can wait to the next game. The Pittsburgh Penguins. <laughs> so What happened? What happened? They've lost six in a row now. I think I had just anointed them as a, a cup contender, a genuine cup contender. They've so, lost six in a row. So that, that is what happened. Um, Jack Johnson happened. Jack Johnson is at this point probably the worst defenseman in the NHL, and I'm just I brought all the ducks. Today. Luke currently, while he's talking about the Penguins, is reaching into a backpack and pulling out Look stuffed ducks one by one. He actually has all the ducks, folks. No, I left one of them at home. There's but, four but, of them on the yeah. table. There are four on the table Jackie right now. Jackie in there. Jackie, the original. Hi, Jackie, to represent Jack we Johnson, who can't Look. skate backwards. I'm convinced. Can you introduce us? I don't even remember. The, I remember Olfi. Even remember their names. I remember Olfi. Okay, I remember Olfi and Jackie, and then. I remember what Ophie's little brother was like, but there's, there's yeah, there we go. Could be a son. Call him Henrik. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't bring uh, I didn't bring Jimmy. Jimmy's okay. the big one. He's uh, he's taking care of the house right now. Okay. Um, they've lost two. Guard duck. <laughs> Does he sit in the window? That's the with his arms crossed. Guard duck on the third floor. <laughs> yeah, they in this six game losing streak. Among a couple good teams, they've lost to the Kings, the Sabres, the Ducks, and the Sharks. And the Sharks game on Saturday, they got thoroughly dismantled. So they've got Ottawa coming up tonight. I'm going to assume that's a loss because Ottawa's terrible. So it's not a lock. Pittsburgh makes the playoffs at this point. I'm still saying they make the playoffs. They should make the playoffs. But as we've been saying for a while, somebody good is going to miss the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh was knocking on the door of first place for a while, so they still have 80 points. But... They're two points out of dropping down to the second wild card. They've been passed by Philadelphia. They're not catching Washington. And uh, if they played Philadelphia right now, which is what the series would be to start the playoffs, like if they played them today on March 3rd, I wouldn't feel great about that. I don't know how to quantify this, but if you had to describe a team as deserving or not deserving of the playoffs, there's far more teams in the Eastern Conference that deserve to go to the playoffs. And there's, I mean, if Minnesota makes the playoffs in the Western Conference... (laughs) Just I'm. I'll just go cover basketball or something. Yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. just it's that's ridiculous. Please don't make us endure that anymore. Please, Min- they're not going to do anything in the playoffs. Minnesota, St. Louis in the first round. No. I mean, if the season ended oh, today, the humanity you would have Carolina, New York Rangers, and Florida all missing the playoffs. Three teams, which I mean, you can probably take Florida out, but certainly Carolina and the Rangers have had enough of the juice this season to yeah, and make the a Rangers, case for being a playoff. I was getting team. excited about the Rangers because I want to see Panarin in the playoffs. He's having a you know, uh, if it weren't for Leon Dreisaitl, Artemi Panarin yeah. might be the the lead candidate for the Hart Trophy right now. And he's going to come to Gila River Arena, by the way, this month. So yeah. he is worth the price of admission. But they've lost two in a row. They still have some some work to do to get into the playoffs. I'd like to see them in. But what is up with the Florida Panthers? Why can't they be better? They're just not. So I watched part of the game against Toronto on last Thursday, I believe, and they jumped out to that three-one lead. I was texting with you, Craig, and it was it was three to one. Toronto looked totally disinterested in playing defense. But the problem is, Florida is disinterested in playing defense, and they ended up losing that game five-three, and they haven't done really much of anything since. They've got Barkov and Huberdo and Mike Hoffman. Hoffman has turned himself into a really impressive player. Yeah, they don't have Trocheck anymore. I don't understand that. Yeah, that was weird. And of course, they don't have Marcia So and. 
Riley Smith and <laughs> they, other players they gave away. They did this to themselves. Yeah, they really. did in a way. I'm, yeah. But still, I, and again, I, I don't know why they gave Vincent Trocek away. I, I thought that was a bad move, really good move for Carolina. But there's there's too much talent there. I, I don't understand why they can't be better. Well, you know my feelings from day one on giving up March or so to Vegas, and now it's been almost three years. Yeah. And that move looks worse than it did at the time. Um Florida's not going to make it. I mean, Toronto's got a five-point lead, and Toronto's trying now. So they're in. Um, Florida's going to be out. The Rangers, they're four points out right now. I mean, it's all gravy for them if they make it this year. Yes, it is. They're going to be really good next year and the year after because they've still got assets and picks and everything. If Carolina misses the playoffs after doing what they did at the deadline, right? and they're currently not in a playoff spot, and it's not – I mean, they're three points back. Now, they have three games in hand on Columbus, who is – like an anchor right now, and they've lost, what, 8 of 10? Yeah. So I think they'll catch Columbus, but still, there's got to be pressure on Carolina. If Carolina were in the Western Conference, they would have the third highest goal differential in the entire conference, which, you know, take that stat for what you will. Some people aren't big on that, but... You know, it usually translates to playoffs. When you look at yeah. the goal differentials at the end of the season, it's, by and large, it's the teams with the best ones are in the playoffs. Carolina's a, a weird case this year. Even if they get in now... They play Boston in the first round? Yeah, we saw how that went last year. Hmm. Um, I don't see much happening there. That's the sort of team, and Tampa's not going to win the Atlantic now. Boston has turned it back on. That's, yeah, I mean, Stamkos, too. Uh, Tampa's uh, out in the first round. I will say it. To Toronto. We'll get Toronto-Boston in the second round. Hmm. That's my not-so-bold prediction, but I will say Toronto beats Tampa in the first round of the Stamkos playoffs. Stamkos even ready for that playoff series? Not if it's six Doesn't weeks. Doesn't sound like it. No. That's, that's a huge loss. He'll be ready. He'll be back in time to watch Toronto play Boston in the second round. Cool. If you uh, if you go by your theory though that, that the teams with the uh, the better goal differential would make it, the only two teams with a positive goal differential that are not in in the West right now are Winnipeg and Arizona, yep. and the two teams Calgary and Nashville have negative goal differentials. So, for what it's worth, if there are eight teams with a positive goal differential in the West, and the two that aren't in are Winnipeg and Arizona, but they're tied for that second wild card spot. Um, Morgan Riley <laughs> could play next week for the yeah, Leafs. That's really important, obviously, for their yeah. blue line, which is deficient. As even when Morgan Riley's in the lineup, their blue line is deficient. They need him. They really need him playing. They can. Uh, they can sort of afford to to maybe not rush him back at this point, right? I mean, you've got that lead. Oh, Olfi's just talking over. Here. Quiet down, Olfi. Um, just because. Florida has trailed off. If you got that five point lead, you don't have to worry if you're Toronto about Carolina and all those other teams. Right, and you're not catching Tampa, so yeah. So I mean, if he's back, you want him back. You don't want his first game back to be round one of the playoffs. But I don't think you have to rush him back at this point. And yeah, they are a much different team without Morgan Riley. Um, the Red Wings. <laughs> this is the part of the show we dedicate to the Red Wings. Forty two point pace. Yeah, is that bad? I looked for a while last night to try and find the worst records in NHL history. I don't remember one worse than Colorado in 2016-17. You've got to go way back, like like expansion seasons, like the Sharks, when they were playing 84 games and they finished with 20-some points. That was impressive. But it's been a long time since we've had a team this bad in the NHL. There's been, and and the buzzword obviously has been parody for the last several years. Well... It hasn't reached Detroit. Yeah, they. I was looking at a metric yesterday that measures the the 
point percentage of teams remaining on every team's schedule. So who has the hardest and the easiest schedules for the rest of the season? Detroit has the hardest remaining schedule in the entire <laughs> NHL. And they're already like way, way, yeah. way, way down at the bottom, and it's only going to get worse. Yeah. Speaking of goal differential, minus 121. That's I want to see what the worst staggering and it and it's I don't know what the updated five on five is but their five on five is when you look at that it's just jaw dropping how bad it is they probably have the hardest schedule left because they don't play Detroit and so that right there just there lowers everybody else's strength yeah. of schedule those strength of schedule things by the way I mean I, I saw that NHL dot com thing and it's it's just points percentage of opponents there are obviously other factors but that's yeah. one, that's like one way to look them, at like, it yeah home and road games how a team is playing Back injuries yeah. yeah travel schedule yeah. I wish someone would do that well. I haven't seen a, a any site that does that well. Well, you put in the notes that they are trash. So can I <laughs> move on from that? There we go. Uh, Patrick Laine could be back Tuesday. It's not great for other teams in the Western he, Conference. He could just sit out another week if he wants. Yeah. Well, let's see. They always they always come back against the Coyotes. So is there any chance he could come back Monday? Because that that would be. That would be for, just in time for the Coyotes game, which has there's been a history of that over the last few years. Yeah, he'll be back. He'll be back before then. He'll be he'll have rounded into shape by the time the Coyotes <laughs> arrive in Winnipeg uh, for another lengthy stay in Winnipeg. Some teams spend their you know three and four day breaks uh, in Las Vegas or L.A. The yeah. Coyotes they do it in Buffalo and Winnipeg. Yeah, why are they hanging out in Winnipeg so long? I guess it's either for there the second or time this season. Yeah. Yes. Uh, do, do you feel like you sort of live there? It's the NHL schedule makers. There was that four-day break in Buffalo, too. That was pretty cool. That was nice. It was awesome. Thank you, Terry Pagula. Did you have a lot of wings? I did, actually. Yeah. I watched uh, football with Bills fans. That was an experience. Did you have to jump It's amazing a how rabid they are still. Yeah. That was my question, too. Still. Did you jump on a table? I did not. Oh. What would that take for you to fly through a table? Probably a lot of alcohol. But <laughs> if go. I consumed that amount of alcohol, I'd probably pass out before I could jump on the table. What if you had stayed in Buffalo one more day? Would that have done it? I might have gone another route if I had had to stay another day in Buffalo. <laughs> we wouldn't be talking now. Yeah, oh, okay, that's fair. Do you want to go through some of these potential playoff matchups? Yes. Um, I'm dying to. Well, here, you also put in the notes, the IHF has canceled six world championship tournaments. What do you think of this? I don't know what to think of it because I'm not a scientist. Thank but, you for admitting that. Yeah, well, I just, I, we're all about honesty on this show. Mm-hmm. I don't want to lie to the uh, the public. Um, yeah, I don't know. I as really long as we're know. being honest, do you miss Jamie? Who? No, I do not miss Jamie. Okay. Matt's such a nicer guy. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate yeah, that. I mean, Although, I have to be honest with myself. I know the only reason that you guys like me so much is really just more out of your distaste for Jamie. So, Yeah, I'm trying to think. What, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's a parallel in the NHL where you're replacing some go- terrible goalie, so we just like you by default. Matt, or as we call him, the anti-Jamie. <laughs> yes, would you, would you be cool going by the name Not Jamie? I think you'd get a lot of uh, praise online. Uh, no, because it still has the name Jamie in it. True. And that's, okay, that's yeah, fair. I that's prefer fair. the Matt. Okay. The Matt. The Matt. The Matt or the Matt? Either way. Okay. You didn't get dinner with us after the uh, game the other yeah, day. Yeah, they blew us off. Yeah. Well, pretty insulting. So, yeah, I was, you know, writing an article, which <laughs> certain other members of the media don't tend to do very often after games. Game stories? Um <laughs> I was Craig writing, has no time I was writing about Clayton Keller. We won't segue that direction yet, but um, I was busy. And then it took should be our segue into Clayton Keller. But that's mostly questions. So and I then I know. needed to get to bed at a reasonable hour because I had uh, an engagement the next morning. And, uh, engagement. You got so engaged I, the next morning. I went on home. Thank you, yes. Can you identify what this engagement was, Matt? Uh, I'm I was, sorry, the Matt? 
I was volunteering at my church. Look at that. You. See? Look. I'm, I feel shame now. Good. You should. Okay. I don't even – I shudder to think what Jamie was doing on Sunday morning. I don't even want to know. So that's why we have Matt on the show, to be a positive influence. Playoff matchups. Playoff matchups. Eastern Conference. Now, Actually you know included their actual seeds. And it's pretty cool to see what's – well – Actually, other than Tampa Bay, never mind. Ignore what I just said. Yeah, you just confused Move me. along. All right. We'll start in the Western Conference, actually. If the season ended today, the matchups would be St. Louis-Nashville. Just real quickly, give me like uh, how interested you'd be to watch that series. St. Louis-Nashville? I'd, I'd pay attention because it's the playoffs. Yeah. I don't think Nashville would have much of a chance there. No. Vegas-Vancouver, I'm, I'm all in on that Vegas. That would be a good series. Yeah, I would love sure. to watch that, actually. Yeah, that I want to see Elias Pettersson in the playoffs. So, Yeah, I don't. He can wait. He's got plenty of time. Uh, Colorado, Dallas. Yeah. I mean, that's about the only thing that would offset Dallas's boring style of play. Yeah, I think Dallas is not that interesting of a team to watch. They're not. I think St. Louis has sort of delivered a message to Dallas the last two meetings, too, huh? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's cute how you thought you were a contender for a while. Ever since we thought not Dallas so was the, the mm-hmm. team maybe to beat in the Central. St. They Louis were such a, seven in a hot row. pick at the start of the season. So many people had them as a, a cup winner. Literally a cup winner. Yeah. I don't see it. No, they are a good team, though, but St. Louis yeah. has, has flipped the switch, as, as apparently you can do if Craig Berube's your coach. You just know how to flip the switch. Very physical, too. <laughs> Dallas, not St. Louis. Yeah. Um, and then Edmonton and Calgary. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yes, uh, please. Yeah. That's pay-per-view quality right there. Yeah. At the same time, if Edmonton and Calgary are playing, then there's less uh, playoff spots available for the Coyotes. No, this is simple. You knock, Just get Vancouver out of there. Have Coyotes-Vegas in the first round, which is what we all want anyway. And uh, and then Edmonton, Calgary. There's yeah, your four. That would be a nice travel schedule. Oh, I would be outstanding. Say. I would probably just drive up there for the games. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in the East, it's Boston, Columbus. Yeah. Mm. I mean, yeah. uh, Washington and the Islanders. Mm. No, I think that's fun. I just don't think the Islanders can score enough to actually win the series. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they they went all in at the deadline, so maybe they think they can. Philadelphia, Pittsburgh. They gave away so much, too. They wanted to give in. away more. It's crazy. They wanted Zach Parisi. <laughs> Can you imagine they had added Zach Parisi, too, and were the seventh seed or maybe missed the playoffs? Philadelphia, Pittsburgh. How do you feel about that, Luke? Or why don't you ask one of your ducks? That's how I feel Can about you that. Can you translate that? You don't, I can't. Not on the air. Okay. No, that's, in fact, we're going to have to censor that, that duck It quack. was two words. So yeah. yeah. So yeah, I think I can you guess. can pretty much. I'm guessing the second one was off. Um I have no interest in watching that series right now. Maybe if Pittsburgh wakes up in the next few weeks, but right now, no. Tampa Bay, Toronto, I would watch, but I feel like Toronto would win. It's a shame Stamkos probably won't play in that series, or at least to start that series. Um, Because I would like to see that series with both teams at full health. Yeah. Just as an aside here, uh, take a quick jaunt off to the... Off to the side. What what if Toronto loses in the first round? Or even the second round? That's a good question. What's going on up there? Mm-hmm. I mean, because Sheldon Keith, they, right? He brought him in and, yay, we have a new coach. Everything's going to be. He yeah. was the answer. And then Not what do you the do? the roster construction. Do you start, yeah, exactly. Do you start looking at Kyle Dubas at that yes, point? Yes, you need to because look at this blue line. Yeah. Right? Well, what is the point? I mean, if they get to the second round, I think everybody's fine. But yeah, I, yeah I, I agree with that. I did find myself wondering when it looked like Florida wanted to, to play if Toronto somehow missed the playoffs, I mean, would Sheldon Keefe, would he be on the hot seat this offseason? They've been talking about him as the future coach there for so long. I don't right. think they can and just burn Kyle through Lewis's that. he's Kyle guy, so. 
But yeah. why? I guess my thing though is why is everything okay even if they make it to the second round? Like with how talented this team is, I think there's people who thought that Toronto could possibly challenge for a cup. I did. You know, uh, yeah, so did I at the start of the season. Um, so if you, I mean, just because you got to the second round, which is better than what you thought would happen when you were losing a bunch of games, like to me, I look at the big picture of the whole season. It's like you should have had a better result than this. I, I agree with you in the sense I think Toronto just on on talent on the roster is a top five team in the nhl yeah um their problem is at least four of the teams are in the eastern conference so i i could already yeah. see them spinning it if that's they lost fair. in the second that's round the you run into that's boston fair. the second round and you lose to boston you really feel like oh this was a failure that's tough that's fair i still think toronto is capable of going on a run though if they once they get out of the first round i, I absolutely do well i think boston's so built for the playoffs they are but like, i think if, if i had to pick a team right now i, I think I think Boston's going to win the cup. Yeah, I, I think if 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 I was pressed to pick right now, I'd say Boston. I like Vegas. to lose at the deadline too. Yeah, yeah, those are smart moves. Mm-hmm. Those are the sort of moves where like you already have a cup contender, so you just make minor Jinx. moves, but they're the right minor moves that people weren't necessarily talking a ton about. Uh, anything else before we jump into listener questions? Mm. Oh, you want to go over the GM meetings in Boca Raton? Well, we're not going to have any e-bug changes. How do you feel about that? I already don't care. E-bug sounds like a computer virus yeah. program. Um, Speaking of viruses, <laughs> never mind. mind. Cross-checking uh, cross checking in the crosshairs. I like what you did there in the notes. Hmm. Did you want to talk about cross-checking? It's just it's, it's going to be a point of discussion. Is the league actually calling cross-checking the way that GMs want it called? There's so many cross-checking penalties that we see, right? Oh, yeah. Like any time the guys, you know, when they give them the bump from behind with both hands on the stick, that's, that's cross-checking. <laughs> but then there's Robert Bortuzzo's version of cross-checking. Ah, well, there's that, yes. Which is a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, I also love when they do the GM meetings. They just, they always have like a view of the beach. Did you notice how little <laughs> came out of the GM meetings today in terms of news? Uh, yeah, we're not going to change the but eh, I don't, we won't change these. Yeah, they're all playing shuffleboard. Yeah, exactly. They're in Boca Raton. That's a big shuffleboard community. What's actually There's happening? A big shuffleboard there. scene down there. Yeah. What's yeah. happening down there, really? Nothing with the e bug, I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else on the rule changes? There could be a change in the league's coach and executive compensation policy. Yeah, for you know when when you lose a guy. Yeah, we've talked about that. We'll see how that that all shakes out. It's just not interesting enough. That's what I'm saying. They they really didn't discuss anything of substance yeah. yesterday. They need to have one topic on there, even if they are going to, like, the puck's going to be bigger Right. Or pretend. <laughs> pretend you're doing something behind closed doors. Yeah. It's just an excuse to go to Boca Raton. Exactly. All right. It is time for questions. All 70 of them. Okay. I'm going to, I'm starting with some from last week. I thought this was a good one. Eric. You're the GM of the new Seattle franchise, and you can have your pick between Jacob Chikrin or Oliver ekman Larson to build your defense. You can only pick one of them. Who do you take? Oh, Jacob Chikrin because of age. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the only reason? Well, he's been playing better than OEL this season. Yeah, yeah I, I agree on both accounts. I think, Jacob Chikrin. I think if you're, if you're building... Now, let me flip this on you. This is not Eric's question. If you're the Coyotes and you can only protect one of them in the expansion draft, which one are you expect, uh, protecting? Chikrin? Jacob Chikrin. Jacob Chikrin because of the money. Yep. That would be so weird to not protect your captain in the expansion draft. Although they, they might also look at it from the standpoint that they think OEL wouldn't get taken because of the money. I think he'd get taken. I think he would too. I think we're, we're at this point with Oliver now where I was trying to parse this out on the postgame show the other night. If you if you graded him out on a, on a scale of one to ten for the longest time, he was like a seven or an eight, and 
I thought he had the potential to hit like a nine or maybe even a ten. This was up until like three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's this year. I don't know what would you say he is like a. At times he's been a seven. At times he's been a five. He's kind of bounced in that range. But people are treating him like he's a one. No, so, I can't say I've seen him reach seven this year. I can't. Okay. I mean, I think he's been better defensively of late. Yeah. But he's not giving them dynamic offense. Seven's a little high, yeah, because yeah. there's no offense. Yeah. Um, but I a just, lot of money for that. If you just didn't have him, who are you putting against the other team's top forwards yeah, every single thing. game? That's the thing. Well, but but remember, for a long time, they were putting Chikrin and Goligoski against other teams' top forwards. Well, the other thing I would say, and I don't want to defend Oliver here too much because he has not been very good this year, but I don't think he's been bad this year when you consider he's also now playing with Ilya Labushkin, who I like the steps he's made, but if you are being told this is your defensive partner and you're going to face Connor McDavid's line, Labushkin's not the fastest guy in the world. No. And he's very inexperienced. Yeah. I just think that it would hurt if they didn't have him. But, yeah, expansion draft, i got to go with Chikrin, who we think is going to be back soonish. Yes. Even sooner now than when we talked about it 15 minutes ago. Yes. It's just a muscle strain. Okay. Uh, Diana, why isn't Grabs playing? Do you think there's something not quite right in the locker room that's spilling on the ice? We just can't seem to find our groove, and it's so frustrating with the amount of talent we have. It has nothing to do with anything wrong in the locker room. He's an unbelievable guy. Everybody respects the guy. The coaching staff loves him. It's just earlier in the season when he was playing, he was, you know, his first of all, his possession metrics were way down. He wasn't, he was, that, that line was just defending way too much. He was making defensive mistakes, and, and he wasn't producing. Granted, He's in a he's in a completely different role these last two years, um, where he's just not getting the offensive chances. I mean, zone starts, roll on a checking line, all of that is going to factor into your production. But if he, you know, if he had finished a couple of those shorthanded breakaways we saw or the breakaways that he got, probably would have changed maybe the uh, the view of him. But he hasn't given them a lot. I have to say though, I'm surprised he's been out this long. I'm surprised he hasn't played because I still think. He has something to give this team, and I still think at some point he's going to be back in there. The speed, the stick skills, that alone, and 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 his his experience. I gotta believe that he has something to give this team down the road. So yeah, I am a little surprised that he's been out this long. There's a silver lining in here, though, and that's that if you remember back to even just three or four years ago, the Coyotes' forward depth. This is a guy who obviously would be in the lineup. So the fact that they have enough forwards to play and justify sitting Michael Grabner. Um, I think is at least a sign of of how far the Coyotes have come, if that's any consolation at all. I think it's fair to a point, but I think critics will say, well, there are, there were a few candidates that probably should have sat out for a game. That's or two. fair too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I guess would be my concern if I was Michael Grabner. I hear what you're saying, like you probably bring him back in at some point, but he hasn't played since January 30th. What's it going to take to bring him back in? Like, are you not bringing yeah. him back in unless you're out of it? Because at that point, or there's an injury, or yeah, he has been out too long, and that's the kind of thing too. Where is the agent making a phone call, or does the team know something that we don't know? Mm. You know, that that's been weird because it's not like they're on a ten game winning streak. So, like Craig said, there are guys you could have pulled out for a game and gotten him back in, and at least seen if if how he responds to that game. And then if he doesn't do anything that game, then yeah, he probably is sitting for another few weeks. Uh, Nathan, what do you think the chances are at the playoffs right now? What does Dom Lashushin say? I don't have that queued up. Why don't you pull that up? I will pop, call that up. I, I would say 
I mean, if you ask this question in a week, I could tell you a lot more definitively just because of these next four games. As, as busy as the schedule is against teams around them in the playoffs the rest of the way, there is not another stretch like this where it's just game after game after game after game. I would say it's honestly like 50-50 right now. Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing. I have a metric called the uh, the LOL, the Layman Optimism Line. Oh, the LOL. And it's moved up to 60. It's gone down to like 30. When it when they were down 2 to nothing against Buffalo the other night, it was at like 10% going to the playoffs, <laughs> maybe like 8%. Very reactionary measure, huh? Yeah. Okay. So it's up like to this. the Layman Optimism Line, the LOL, is up to about 50% now. I'm with Luke. Dom says 38% chance of making the playoffs. I think that's too low. Well, it's based on his model. I think, oh, well then, never mind. That's right. When you use the word model, it becomes objective. Yeah. It is. And that's the thing that people, you have to look at, right? What, what's the model? Is, I'm assuming that accounts partially for the fact that teams have games in hand on them. Yes, that's absolutely why it does. I, just the reason I put it right around 50-50 is you can talk to Coyotes fans that are like, oh, they're in. This is, is going to be a great season. And then there are Coyotes fans that have written them off, and they're like, no, there's no way they can make the playoffs. And you remind them, hey, they're tied for a playoff spot right now. And they're like, really? Because they went into that break before the Buffalo game and the break after the Buffalo game. They went into that stretch with all these teams right around them with games in hand. But as you said earlier, Craig, those teams aren't winning those games in hand. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm going to say about 50-50. Uh, Robert, how many games this season have the Coyotes had their actual top five D-men play in the same game? I'm guessing it has to be less than 10 times. I'm sad. Sorry, Robert. I haven't researched that. I apologize. Well, but what you just we said. Know, yeah, we know Hammer was out for a very long time. Jason Demers has missed time. So Chikrin has Chikrin. missed time. OEL has missed time. Yeah. Not often. Really, it probably is less than 10 times. Uh, Matt, probably good that Jamie isn't here for this question. Well, you could have stopped right there, Matt. Oh, but there is a question. Is Joe Sackick the Barkov of GMs, just sneaky good and has yet to win a GM award? Let's wait until Colorado does something. But I like that team. And I remember not that long ago, Joe Sackick was getting buried. Yes. People thought he was an awful GM. That was that year we talked about earlier, 15-16, uh, when they lost a million games and were one of the worst teams in history. And it's actually even more recent than that. It was sixteen seventeen, and they got rid of Matthew Shane, and everything changed. <laughs> That's really it, right? I mean, here we are now, two and a half years later. They got rid of Matthew Shane, and everything changed. Who have they really, really added to get to this point? Like Cadre's a nice addition, and Kale McCarr, and Rontanen's gotten better, but it's not like they just got good last week. They got good before they ever had Cadre or McCarr, and Rontanen was already there when they were bad. It's it is crazy how much getting rid of Matthew Shane, whether that is just a correlation that's random and it's a coincidence or whatever, it's it's crazy how much that helped Colorado. Ryan O'Reilly used to be a Colorado player as well. He, was, he looked pretty good in he Colorado. Was decent, yeah. He's okay. Looks better in St. Louis. He does. Uh, Greg, and we kind of touched on this, but OEL just doesn't look right. Is he being asked to do too much? Is he playing hurt? Is he being completely misused, not paired correctly? He consistently looks like he's struggling to make a decision between instinct and coaching. I think that last part is fair, but it's surprising that it's taken him this long to adjust because he, he is asked to do different things with Rick Tocca than he did with Dave Tippett. And he still looks like his muscle memory is saying, this is what I did under Dave Tippett sometimes. I've been surprised. One of, one of the things that I've noticed about him, and, and I'm not saying it happens a lot, but when, when he makes defensive mistakes, it's like he's slow to read the play. And then he has he has bad technique when he's turning. You know, it's... And he's a good skater, which is, is weird. Yeah. yeah, but it's a slow turn. It's not a hard, you know, open the hips and, and turn. He, he's got bad technique sometimes, and he gets beat because of it. And that, that's that been surprising to me. 
That part has been there. And, and I just want to clarify what I was saying earlier. Like, he has not, this has not been a good year for him. Yeah. But I would, I don't know, tell me what you think about this. I would say he has the most responsibility of any player on the ice for the Coyotes. They put the most on him, whether it's his minutes, yeah. His minutes, his, his, role, his, yeah. his defensive partner, what he's playing against. So I just think that it's easy to go so far the other way and say, oh, he's terrible without looking at who he's playing against or what they're asking him to do. Yeah. But he has not been the same guy he was a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, a lot of times the Coyotes pass out these kind of minute sheets in the intermissions of every game, every home game. And, you know, I, I like to look at the ice time a lot. And Oliver ekman Larson is frequently one of, if not the leader for both teams on the entire ice and minutes played often. Yeah. So when you're playing that, like we like to, you know, kind of beat up on defensemen who make, you know, a mistake and they get beat to the net and it, and it causes a goal. But you never notice when guys don't do that. So if OEL is out there for 25 minutes a night and he's not making some egregious mistake that costs the Coyotes two goals every night, that's a contribution, even yeah. though he doesn't show up. And on I the do score notice sheet. that, and I, I've noticed things like uh, his 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 stick position is really good. He's learned a lot, I think, from Nick Charmelson in that regard. He, he plays well with his stick. So does Jacob Chikrin, by the way. Yeah. They all use their sticks really well. And he does – I think he has been better defensively. It's just – like when you see – when you see the play that I'm talking about, you you just wonder what what's going on. Why is the read so slow and why uh, – more than that, why is the technique bad? I don't get that part. The other thing I would say with – he said – I talked to him after the game against Buffalo. And he said, I don't care if it's ugly as long as we win at this point in the year, which is mm-hmm. what matters. But – he, you know, we talk about how good Alex Goligoski was for the first part of the season, and how good Chikrin's been this year. Oliver's never played with those guys. Like he is always playing with the Labushkins or you know Demers for a while. But Demers, I don't think Demers has been as good this year. No, I don't either. Um, I also think Jason Demers has basically been hurt most of the season. Yeah, there's something he played to that. through some stuff. Yeah, he had a table, tailbone injury that he was playing through for a long time. That's. That just sounds painful. Yes. Because um, it's not like you ever get knocked down in hockey or anything. That would be <laughs> real fun to try and get up from that. The other thing, and this is something I do think they're going to have to address in the offseason. I, I get that OEL is your captain and everything. He shouldn't be your number two physical presence if things go sideways. No. And, I, and I was surprised they didn't do that at the deadline. Just, That's the one thing. Like, Just go back to the Dallas games. Or you know, if they make the playoffs and they're playing Calgary in the first round or something, and teams are going to take liberties – because they feel like they can, because who's really going to step in? I'm not talking about fighting, especially in the playoffs, but just who's going to intimidate or who's going to get physical after a play if they need to, other than Lawson Krause? It's probably OEL, and OEL's built like I am. Like He really shouldn't be that guy. You need Labushkin to do that, to be honest. Yeah. Who's like the ideal player in the in the league if you could just go steal any player? Josh to fit Manson. The, do you th- Josh Manson? Okay. Right-handed, you, physical, mobile defenseman. Um, Wayne Simmons, when he was like prime Wayne Simmons... Yeah. For somebody that would step or, in. Or if you could get him for, say, a conditional fifth-round pick. Hey, it's a fourth-round pick if Buffalo makes the playoffs. Hey, hey, yeah. <laughs> so, what just think about that. Yeah, somebody somebody like that. I mean, we talked about Nick Ritchie last week, and I'm not saying that he's necessarily the ideal, but just a guy that's bigger, that isn't going to be useless in other parts of the game. Like, he'll still get you double-digit goals, but just somebody that teams are not going to mess with your... Taylor Halls, Clayton Kellers, Connor Garland's Garland will stick up for himself, but you know Oliver shouldn't be the guy stepping in there. Agreed. Because I don't, with all due respect to him, I don't think he's intimidating Jamie Ben. No. Uh, Az Puckdiva, do the Coyotes need more leadership? Don used to take a team on his back, and I don't see that with this group. Also, does Tockett's system stifle natural scores? I love the podcast. They love the podcast, Craig. So okay. be nice. Okay, but Tockett's system. I love it. I only read it because those were buzzwords for Craig. He has like they a are. They set me off. Um, 
Um, Tell me what you think Tocket system is. Well, I, this is what I'll say, mainly because they said they left the podcast. Um, if you're if you're just watching casually after work, you probably don't know what every team's system is, and that narrative has definitely been out there of well, you know, guys go to Arizona and they don't score, so it must be Tocket system. That's coming from media members. That's not just coming from the fans. Uh, I don't agree with it at all, but there's definitely media that puts that out there, not locally but nationally. What are they missing? What a lot of people accuse them of dump and chase, right? Okay. Or yes, they're a very good defensive team. Why do they have to be a good defensive team? Because they don't have elite finishers. They don't have elite offensive players. That's why they have to build their identity as a defensive team. Why do they dump and chase? Because they don't have a lot of guys who can play with the puck through the middle of the ice and carry it over the blue line. That's why they dump and chase. If they ask the guys that they have on the roster right now to carry the puck through the neutral zone and try and gain zone entries, what are they going to do? They're going to turn it over at the blue line, which is the worst thing that you can do. That's why they play the way they play. That's why Dave Tippett played the way he played here. And people said it was his system that was the problem, and he can't coach offensive players. Well, things are going pretty swimmingly for him in Edmonton now that he has some guys who can do that. Yeah, Dreisaitl's doing okay. Just four goals, no big deal in the middle of a playoff race. Yeah, Craig, what you're essentially saying is that Coyotes fans have been waiting on elite offensive players. Yeah, they you get ta- they, players. They right? get Taylor Hall and they get Phil Kessel, and Coyotes fans say those are elite offensive players. But you need a more than two guys on the entire but, team, and, and B, Phil you need Kessel's centers. not a guy who's going to do it. Yes, yeah, you need yes. centers who drive offense, carry the puck over the blue line. Is what you're saying? Yes, but yeah. you you can, and I completely agree with you guys. You know that already because we've talked about this before. But you can understand why fans would look and say, okay, you added Taylor Hall and Phil Kessel, and the offense isn't any better. You can understand why then you would turn and look at. I mean, there's obviously a lot more to it, but you can understand why people would just turn and look at the coach and be like, are you doing this or whatever? Now, I would again point to the fact that Taylor Hall has not had a game where he's had four points in a game, but he's pretty consistently putting up one every single game. He's Taylor Hall's been fine offensively. Yeah. He's having trouble finishing, I'll say that. He's a little bit snake-bitten. Well, he's got to shoot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that one late in the Florida game. That Florida game, about, yeah. I don't, I, I don't understand that. That irritated me on so many levels. That play, but also Mike Hoffman scoring that goal, my immediate thought was, why isn't Phil Kessel doing that? Like that's the sort of goal that you that's somebody finishing. And we know that Phil Kessel can finish because yeah. he won two Stanley Cups with Pittsburgh. That's the other side of this, I would say. Oh, well, they're they're not scoring, it must be the system. Did you see all the chances they generated in that game that we're talking about where they scored one goal? Yeah. Look at the chances they're generating. They're getting the chances. They are not finishing. Because uh, they don't have elite finishers. Alex, what do you guys think we should do with older vets like Goligoski, Stepan, and Soderberg? That is an excellent question, and it's something they're gonna have to look at in the offseason. Those are three guys that they can they're gonna have to take a hard look at they're gonna have to take an even harder look at it if they don't make the playoffs yeah, especially absolutely. when i mean if if for no other reason then they have high cap hits and they're they're getting older yep for those reasons alone but you can't get rid of all your vets either so no. if you if you if your thought is okay we missed the playoffs all three of those guys are gone you're gonna have to replace at least one or two of them with a vet sure but you could find one maybe that doesn't cost quite as much yeah i mean you can't uh, look derek Stepan's a tough one for me because when I watch the way he plays defensive hockey and how smart he is on the ice, it's tough. He does so many things right. He really is. I, I think he's the, in terms of hockey sense, I think he's the smartest player on the ice for the Coyotes. But he's not producing. And when you make that kind of money at that position, you need to give the team more offense than he's given them. He's not producing in relation to his salary. Yes. From January 1st, he's producing you know, right around fourth on the team in points, Yeah, but that's not enough. <laughs> Just being the fourth best point producer on this team in the last two months is not enough because they haven't been scoring enough. Yeah, um, And he's 
he's exhibit A for does a lot of things right, isn't finishing. Yeah. Um, and it's hard with him, too, because you look at some of his shots. Yeah. They're good shots. Yeah. He gets there. There have been some times where he's just been robbed. Uh, Mike. Told, okay. yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, I told you the other night in the press box that if he finished on half his chances, he'd have like 40 goals. Yeah. I mean, he, that yeah. one where he, if he just lifts it three inches off the ice. Oh, goes yeah. Like, the, that was the deke. Yeah. yeah. But then the, the chance he had point blank in that last game, he just got robbed. Yeah. Uh, along those lines, Mike, why do the Coyotes make every goalie look like a Vesna winner? I know Tockett has brought the system from Pittsburgh, but we don't have the centers they do to drive the play. No net presence to make a goalie work. Also, Hayton looks totally overmatched at center. There's a lot in there. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> I'm trying to unpack that. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right on the first two. They don't have the centers that Pittsburgh has. They have lacked that net front. Uh, would have taken a guy like, as we just mentioned, Wayne Simmons for a fifth-round draft pick. To do what he does. He goes to the net. I don't think Barrett Hayton looks overmatched at all at center. Well, so I'm I, surprised to hear that. In, in fairness, though, again, these questions are still the ones from last week. Okay. So take that into a – I mean, yeah, they didn't make a Jonas oh, Johansson look uh, like a Vesna winner. Well, that's interesting that it's from last week, too, because in, in Hayton's first game in the lineup, he looked really good. Yeah, he did. That was actually his best game. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Sorry, I tried. Okay. Uh, Keller's consistency. Which Pokemon are the Coyotes oh. as of now, Jamie? Well, Jamie's not here. I can't answer this <laughs> also, He just tagged at Jamie. So I need to not, – not Jamie Eisner. So this poor guy <laughs> – I'm going to find out where he lives. This poor random at Jamie. Please do. Tell me who he is. Uh, Belfast. Is Ireland? Getting, yes. Nice. He's getting random questions right. about which Pokemon he has an answer, the Coyotes huh? are. No, it doesn't look like it. Oh, wait. Somebody did answer. Um, it was not him. And would Chica ever consider trading Keller for a number one center? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you wouldn't. You're yeah. not going to get a number one center for him. Exactly. <laughs> but yes, yes, I would more than consider that. Hey, you can have Dylan Larkin for Clayton Keller. Done. Yeah, and you can have Keller's contract for the next seven years and we yes. get a number one center. Like, are you just saying, are you are you considering Christian Dvorak at that caliber of number one center? Or are we talking about like Dylan Larkin, Mark Shifley, like yeah, franchise number one center. center? Actually, it's funny that this comes up because me and um, Rick Morin from AZ Central, we were talking about franchise centers. And we said, how many are there in the NHL? Not a lot. We went through all the teams, looked at everybody, and we came up with 14, maybe like 16. If I, if I, you're, franchise? You're, like, tw- yeah, like in that range. You're, some some it's teams in the have teams. two. So, yeah. So you're talking about Dry Saddle, McDavid, Matthews, Tavares, like those kind of guys. Okay. Um, so there were some there were some that you know he wouldn't give me he didn't want to give me Ryan Johansson I said so no. so there's there's a few that you could debate on but there's less than half the fewer than half the teams in the NHL even have a franchise center no, so I, I just want to differentiate we, franchise center to me is is a bigger deal than number one center yes like Ryan yeah. Johansson I think you could get away with him as a number one center yeah. a couple years ago I don't know what he is now but he's do I. franchise center I, I don't know talk, what, there was talk they were going to trade him yeah franchise center to me is like Mark Shifley and up yeah yep. Um, That's fair. Also, Olfie wants to chime in. You didn't say Malkin or Crosby. So, well, I didn't name all of them. Well, I, I just listed three or four. Give me a break. Jonathan Taves. How do you feel about Jonathan Taves? Is he a franchise center? <laughs> See, we don't need soft props. ring. <laughs> we have, what we do you have think? Props. Maybe a number one center now. Not a franchise center anymore. Used to be a franchise center. Um, John. With two seasons for most of them in the Coyotes uniform, do you think who we say our core pieces for this team should be different than it was two years ago? I think our core players under contract through next season now is Garland, Dvorak, Kraus, Hayton, Chikrin, Kemper, OEL. Wait, who did he leave out? Keller and Schmaltz? Yeah. Do you include Dvorak? He did. Okay. Yeah. 
I guess it depends on what you define as core. That's sort of a vague term for me personally. I, I guess the question is like who is this team building around? Yeah. I, I think his names were accurate there, but I do think Keller and Schmaltz are in that group. I mean contractually they are yeah, building yeah, around. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, for no other reason. Um, okay. I'm going to try and get out of some of the older ones now and then forward. You guys talk for a second while I scroll. Hi. How you doing, Matt? Uh, I'm okay. How was your weekend? How many uh, donuts do we have left? Oh, two. Look, one for each of us. I ate a lot of those. I had a lot of donuts. Luke, did you want a munchkin? Uh, you feel like you want to eat another munchkin? No. Ken said, I predict a whole lot of cowbell in the next episode of the Natty Hattie. Oh, that's probably true. Oh, they're, they're still in the playoff race, so I'm hearing. I want to know what happens there in the offseason when they miss the playoffs, because they will miss the playoffs. Uh, I heard someone told me the other day that for the first time they're hearing rumblings that either Stan Bowman or John McDonough will get fired. Why would you fire John McDonough? Other than that he supported Stan Bowman. Yeah. <laughs> but wouldn't you take out the, the problem before the guy that supported the problem? I think who's the who's... – Or you could take out both. I mean, go ahead and do that. But if you're leaving Stan Bowman in place, then that, that is just a red flag that the Bowman family, and we already know this is true, has way too much influence over that franchise. It's just doing the same thing over and over again yep. and expecting a different result. and That's just ridiculous. I, I love it. Who's the most like? Who's the safest name in hockey in their current position? It feels like it's Stan Bowman. <laughs> he can do no wrong. Like, I feel like he's Look, safer than Connor McDavid. They're moving in the right direction. Look, they're in contention for the playoffs this year. Yes, but they're like a snail that is slowly inching in the right direction, and they're not really even not even the right inching yeah, in the right really direction. It's going to fall no. apart here at some point really soon, and they're going to they're going to let these assets that they have remaining from the glory years just wither on the vine, and not get anything for them. That was poetic. Thank you. The whole wither on the vine thing. Uh, Joseph, who always writes in great stuff either to me or the show, so I just want to read Joseph's question. Are the Senators just a farm team for the rest of the NHL? Yes. Hopefully for their sake, not anymore. If that's true, what does that make the Red Wings? (laughs) They're an experiment. A junkyard. Yeah, I don't know what they are. An experiment gone wrong. Uh, Fletcher. After all the talk about the importance of premium positions, is it a concern that if Hall resigns, we'll have 30% of our cap locked up in three wingers next year? Yes, it yeah, is. It is. It is. Um, but I'd still resign him if I could. Yeah. Can you uh, trade Phil Kessel yep. while you're doing that? Well, of those three wings, I trust Hall the most. I'll just put it that way. No, you. Probably, there's no way they can trade Phil Kessel if they want to. Two more years. Who, who's taking Phil Kessel? I don't know. I mean, remember the talk. First of all, Phil Kessel's not going to. He's he right. wanted to play for Tockett. Yeah. And if he didn't want to play in Pittsburgh, that's going to be it's going to be tough to move him. Dangle snipe belly. Remember, it's just just one person, not three people sharing an account. So they say. Is well, I don't like where this is going. Is there a we miss Jamie support group? Figured those people could use the therapy. Nope. <laughs> that's great. Uh, are any of the assistants on expiring contracts? Uh, John McClain? McClain? I think it is. I yeah. Tr- yeah. We'll see. We'll see what goes down there. Again, let's see how the season plays out before we start speculating on what moves might be made. That's if the they thing. make the playoffs, it changes things. Yeah, they could easily still make the playoffs or miss the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Final question from Dangle Snipe Belly. What have you thought of Hayton's play minus that gentle breathing on Simmons before his goal? Uh, mostly okay. I liked his first game. He's just been okay since then. I would like to see him start producing some points since he's supposed to be your number one center. I know he's young, but I would like to see glimpses of that offensive ability. Okay. 
Here, I'm trying We're, to how you much, realize how important he is to their future, right? He is, but at the same time, I mean, how, how much do you give him a mulligan on this season because of his inexperience? Not oh. even his age, just his inexperience. Some, but again, I'd like to see flashes. I'd like to see flashes because I think when other players of his ilk came into the league at that age, you saw flashes. Sometimes you saw more than flashes. I want to see that from Barrett. He's had because, a couple. I mean, it's been a while, but he's er, early in the season. Like b- before World Juniors, like way back when he mm-hmm. first debuted, he had a couple plays that made you made you say, "Wow, that was a really impressive play." So, it, I think it's in there somewhere. It just hasn't come out lately. He know. has. He does have zero points since he came back. That line with Garland and, and even Kessel has. We need to get past the point where this is our standard, but I thought they were creating some decent opportunities the last game against Buffalo, and, and a lot of that was Hayton. Like you can see the the passing vision by him mm-hmm. and the just the natural moves. I he's not going to wow you with the skating, right? It's, it's that's yeah. never going to happen. I get that, but but that it, was known from draft day. Yeah, and I do think he's a smart player. I think I, I see a lot of smart plays from him, but I just I, I want to see the dynamic side somewhere. I want to see, wow, this guy is a number one center. There are flashes. I mean, he'll cross yeah. up defensemen, but then. You know, doesn't get a real good shot on the, on the plate. Yeah, and I don't know if he is. Look, I don't know if he is that guy. He may just be a top six center. Which again, we've talked about the sort of the the strong link versus weak link, weak link mentality when building a team. If you don't have that guy, then you try and build depth throughout the middle. But they're counting. They they think he can be more. So again, I just want to see that at some point. Um, and I want to clarify when you say he he's never going to wow you with the skating. That doesn't mean he skates like Dylan Strome. No. He's, no, he's a much he better skater. Okay, I've tried to lump as many of these together as I could. Sorry. And, uh, that, that Craig, we're trying to do a podcast yeah, Craig's here. muffins are Clean done. it up. So just take out your Easy Bake Oven and <laughs> go ahead and turn that off. Okay, here we go. This is Coach East Jack. Did Clayton Keller become a man on Saturday? He looked like the superstar stud I always knew he was. And I'll piggyback another one. Keller's consistency. Would you agree? Keller's Saturday performance is one of the most dominant games we've seen from a Coyotes player ever. Well, I can't speak to whether or not Clayton Keller has become a man, um, but if you're asking if he has become the player that he's been rewarded to be contractually, um, I would say that that is what he's going to need to do more often, and it's encouraging that that's in his DNA as a player to, to have a game like that. And, you know, Coyotes fans and, and us and everybody have been hard on Clayton Keller. I mean, they, they want to see more production out of him. They're in a really important part of the season, and they need their best players to be their best players. But uh, they they do need more of those kind of elite games from Clayton Keller where he's putting up two or three points on a semi-regular basis because starting next year he's going to be getting paid like he's that kind of player. Yeah. I mean, prior to the Tampa Bay game, Keller's been a lot better the last two of the last three games, Tampa yes. Bay and Buffalo. Yes. Prior to the Tampa Bay game, he had one goal in 20 games. So, I mean, ironically, the biggest thing with him is going to be consistency. What he did against Buffalo, I, I I will say he should do that every time he plays a team like Buffalo that isn't physical. Maybe not that, two goals and an assist, but he should be that sort of player. But the most dominant games we've ever seen from a Coyote player, no, I mean, he had two goals and an assist. It was a good game. It was, it was his yeah. best game of the year. The thing that stood out for me about him in that game, I mean, three, a three-point game is a great game. It is, but what what really stuck stuck out for me for for him in that game in particular was the way he played defense. He was he had a lot of back pressure in that game. He stole a puck from someone at some point. I just haven't seen that kind of effort from him consistently in a game defensively. That was a really good sign because we've talked so much about Clayton Keller's role on this team simply being 
a guy who produces points because he doesn't impact the game in other ways. Well, that game was like a blueprint for how he could impact the game in other ways. He was a well-rounded player in that game. That was really nice to see. But again, like you guys said, it's one game. He's got to do that consistently. And I guess on some level, that's if he goes out there and does it again on this road trip and he plays more games like that, he doesn't have to get the three points. He doesn't have to have the two goals and the assist. He needs to play like that. To Craig's point, he broke up the Sam Reinhart. Uh, It wasn't a breakaway, but it was a point-blank scoring chance. Keller's the one that got back and broke that up. That is stuff he can do every single game. So to me, what was impressive about that game wasn't that he had two goals and an assist. It was that you could see him on the ice before he even had those goals or separate from when he had those goals when he wasn't scoring you could still find him on the ice when he goes 20 goals or 20 games and gets one goal for 15 of those games you don't even see him on the ice yeah and and every time we ask Rick Tockett about Clayton Keller and what he can do and his effort and things like that the thing he always goes back to is hey you know what if you produce in the defensive zone and you're responsible in your own zone and you're on your guy in your own zone you're going to get those chances to take the puck back the other way and you know I don't know if you want to call that karma he used that word the other night or whatever but you have to play the game of hockey, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you got to play the whole game. You yeah, can't play five yeah. percent of it, right? You can't play the part that you like and stand in front of the net. Not not that mm. he just not that he is that guy that's just standing around, but he needs to produce consistently and he needs to play the entire game. Yeah, and in terms of going to the net, Rick Rick Tockett uses the term he's a darter, right? Mm-hmm. So you dart in and out. You don't. Clayton Keller's a guy that's not going to stand in front of the net and take a beating. He'll get killed. Yeah, but you can. You can make forays to the net. Let's put it that way. Wow. You can dart in and out. Forays but to you the do net. need to go to the net. The you're not you're just not gonna score from from the perimeter like you did in the eighties when goalies were standing up and yeah. kicking saves, kicking their pads out and falling down. Well, he, he used the word uh, Taka used another word the other night that stood out to me, which was energy. He said he was an energy guy for us tonight and he's got to play that way. And who's another guy on the coyotes who's an energy guy? Connor Garland. Yeah. So Garland if Connor plays that Gar- way every night. If Connor Garland's the lowest paid player on the team and probably doesn't have the elite ability that Clayton Keller has in terms of pure talent offensively, then why can't Keller at least keep up with Garland in terms of points? There's no reason, right? I, I would say that if Keller plays the way he did on Saturday the rest of the way, which it was a good game, I don't think it was a dominant game. I think it's the game he should be playing, not every night, but he should be playing it eight out of ten nights. And I'm not saying two goals and an assist. He can play that way and finish with an assist, and it's a legit assist. It's not just he got credited with an assist because he touched the puck. If he plays that way the rest of the way, they will make the playoffs. Yeah. Because I look at last season, and, I, and, and realistically, in retrospect, you look and you say Colorado was probably a better team than the Coyotes last year. But if Clayton Keller does anything in the second half last year, the Coyotes have made the playoffs last year, yeah. which is crazy because I don't think they were a playoff team last year. But if he plays the way he did on Saturday— the rest of the way they will make the playoffs well and sure. let's let's remind people too that because we had comments that said you know hey can we stop <clears throat> excuse me can we stop bashing on clayton keller now the reason that we have this conversation there's about clayton games. keller well there's that but the, the reason we're even having this conversation about clayton keller is because he is very talented and that should be as much of a, a much of a criticism as it is a compliment to keller that we spend so much time talking about him is that he can do more for this team no question yeah he definitely he's a very skilled player you can't say stop bashing him after one game lots of guys have one good game you got to be consistent that's what they're looking for yeah i mean how many consistency were they having the same conversation was it mark pesic had a hat trick against toronto was everybody like well he's arrived mark pesic that's it it's done (laughs) and he's already been rewarded with you know yeah, the monetary reward for being a really, really productive high-end offensive player. So he's got to live up to that. He's now being paid starting next year like he's going to play every game the way he did Saturday. And that's to on me. the Coyotes, too, who gave him that contract. they got to get the most out of him, whatever that means. And yeah. it starts with him, but they got to do everything they can to make this contract worthwhile. Yeah, But 
the encouraging thing is plays like the one on Reinhardt and where he's back-checking and stealing the puck, he doesn't have to be a bruiser, obviously. He doesn't have to run people over to take the puck. He's got the, the Speed the skills. and stick skills, yeah. Yeah, so he, he, should, that. he should be out skating most people when he doesn't have the puck. You don't have the puck, go. You know what I mean? Like, right. you're, not, you're not being held back. Uh, Tyler, what if someone eats their hot dog plain? Are they a lower caste than one who puts ketchup on a hot dog? Oh, no, there is no lower caste yeah. than someone who eats ketchup on a hot dog. <laughs> plain is fine. My daughters eat plain hot dogs. I'm, I'm fine with that. You can do just about anything you want with a hot dog except ketchup, Matt. No ketchup. For the listeners at home, you missed the way that Craig was staring forward and then paused and turned his head slowly to me to say ketchup with just so much disdain. They're, yeah. used, to, they're used to Craig's uh-huh. disdain. That's a Matt, was, the show. Matt gave me an impassioned defense of ketchup on hot dogs, really uh, on choice the other day. Why can't people eat what they like on their foods, Craig? Yeah. For the most part, Matt... They can, but except ketchup, for that one, yes, ketchup I is the exception. That, that's almost the gateway to people not being allowed to choose how they eat their food. Is if they're going to put ketchup on a hot dog, it's the downfall of society, I would say. Um, but yeah, plain hot dog. Go ahead. I mean, I've never done that. Have you ever eaten a plain hot dog? That would be kind yes, of yes, I have really? actually. Is yeah. it boring? Feels like it would just be kind of bland. I don't know. It just is what it is. Yeah, I, you got to have mustard, I think. But whatever. Um, do you think the Coyotes will do assistant coach changing in the off season? That's from Lisa. We've Again, had, we've got a few go back areas. to what we said earlier. Uh, Tommy's the one with, can everyone get off Clayton Keller's case now? I need to see it for about 15 more games, and then yes. Um, what percent? This is Charles Woodall-Pike. What percentage chance would you right now give the Coyotes A, finishing top three in the Pacific, B, finishing in a wild card spot, or C, missing the postseason? Uh, I'm going to say about 30, 35, 35. No, it's got to be more than that for missing the postseason. That's tough. 20, 40, 40, I'll say. 20, I'm sorry, 20 is the missing the postseason? 20 is finishing top three in the Pacific. Oh, top three, okay, sorry. 40 is finishing in the wild card spot. 40 missing the postseason. Seem about right? Yeah, it seems fair. Maybe a little bit lower on wild card and more missing, I don't know, but somewhere around there. I, like I said, I think it's 50 50, they're going to make it. Um, Timmy Hate, Hall, 12 million times eight. Thoughts? No. I think he revi- revised that later and said he meant to say 10 by 8, which oh, is okay. maybe where he ends up. Uh, I'm curious about that, too. Uh, I I don't know if teams are going to be offering Taylor Hall $10 million a year. Well, especially if the narrative around the league is that he hasn't done anything since he got here. <laughs> Just, you know? All you can do is look at the points and the, the metrics. and Yeah. A booper. Any chance we see a hall hate in line before the season is finished? That could be fun. That's what Craig, Craig's been angling for that line for a while. I have. Yeah. Any chance? It's it's tough to think of them putting Hayton on the first line with 15 games left. Yeah, I can't imagine it right now. Uh, but I, I want to see that. Again, that's that's the future, right? That's what we expect to see. I don't know if Taylor Hall is going to be here, but that is what we expect to see at some point. Yeah, d- beyond the season, certainly. I think that's the plan. Hayton, but, Hall, Keller. Hmm. They, they, putting Hall with Keller... Yeah, uh, when they jumbled things up right? against Buffalo, that was it inspired him. Yeah, uh, Los Coyote Steve, could we see Yannick Hayton and Soderstrom all on this team full time next season? I know I'm looking forward to seeing Yannick's on ice moxie. Ooh, on ice moxie. I don't think he's going to be with the team next year. No, uh, Hayton. First full-time. of all, he's rehabbing yeah. a, a major knee injury, but the plan was not for him to be with the team next year anyway. They they felt like he needed a couple three years of development. What do you think the plan is with Soderstrom for next year? Because Hayton will be here next year for sure. I don't know yet. Actually, hold on. Do you think Hayton definitely is full-time next year with the Coyotes? 
Because now they can. Yeah, I think so, right? Okay. I think so. With Soderstrom, I'd like to see him get time in the AHL. Okay. Well, would with Soderstrom though, would it not depend on what they do? like? Let's say Alex Goligoski is not here here next season. Is that a variable in that equation? Do you? Yeah, think at all? and I, I think that's something they they have to look at too. Do you keep Alex Goligoski around? Yeah, I definitely think that's something you need to look at, and. Victor Soderstrom's a right-handed defenseman, too, so that's something that they really want. Rick Tockett really wants in this system. I, I think that's a possibility. But is he ready to make that leap? I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Rose, how nervous should Coyotes fans be about the next four games? Any tips for dealing with that nervousness? Very, but that's that's why you do this, right? I mean, you want you want the next four games, like we said earlier, they matter more than any stretch of games in eight years. Like This is what it's all about. You know what I don't get for relieving stress is breathing into a bag because I, I find that tends to just elevate everything. Does it? I think it makes me more nervous when I breathe into a bag. Okay. Because I start breathing heavily and then my pulse quickens and, yeah, it doesn't work. You can see exactly how much you're breathing? Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's a good thing. That is weird. Yeah. Don't, don't breathe into a bag. Don't breathe into games. a bag. Uh, Oz- try yoga or like dim lighting or something. We tried dim lighting in the take studio. Take a bath with candles. That's Craig's go-to is the bath with candles. Yeah. Something I do like candles. Okay. That and seems baths. dangerous. How? Bathing with candles? I don't know. That just seems dangerous. Well, well if you, you know, drop a candle, out the candle, you know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's kind of a, that's fair. Yeah. Ozzy, new at Six Flags Chicago this fall. The standbow. Experience the thrill of sudden, unexpected <laughs> knee-jerk blind turns, sudden drops from the top into endless downward spirals and false restarts. The fun doesn't stop with your non-transferable seven-year season pass. This bell has two meanings. First of all, it's typical meaning, but also, you are the winner this week. That is a winner. That's fantastic. Thank you. Uh, Coach East Jack, if the NHL expanded to 34 teams in the new, near future... Which two cities would be your favorites? Salt Lake, Anchorage, Houston, Milwaukee, Kansas City, Portland, Indianapolis. Oh, you're reading so fast here. Salt Lake, no. Anchorage, no. Houston, if they expanded, yeah, Houston would get one. It is weird that Milwaukee, that there's not a team in Wisconsin, and it's never even talked about. Not weird. It was by design. That was that was one of Old Man Wirtz's pet projects, is keeping a team out of Milwaukee. Lloyd Pettit wanted to put a team at the Bradley Center, but... Bill Wirtz, who had a lot of power with the Board of Governors, said, that's the Chicago footprint. You'll be infringing on our fan base. Really? From Milwaukee? So they never got a team. If they were to get a team now, and, it, and they're ne- it's never even discussed, if they were to get a team, I mean, are there a lot of Blackhawks fans there now that would yeah, just that would just abandon. Over? I mean, all those Milwaukee Blackhawks fans, <laughs> they just abandoned ship and... Uh, I was going to make a Blackhawks joke, but that's, I'm not going. First to. of all, it's it's a two hour drive from Milwaukee to the stadium uh, to the UC without traffic, and those conditions that I just talked about rarely exist in Chicago. So it's probably a three hour drive. Who's making that drive? Nobody is. Oh, yeah, but sir. I mean, okay, but to be fair, there's also the television territory. So Milwaukee. What's what's the NHL team that's on television in Milwaukee? I believe it's actually pronounced Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Yeah. That's how we pronounced it. Uh, Kansas City, Portland, Indianapolis, any of these teams? Kansas City has a nice shiny arena. Not as shiny as it was when they built it, but still there. But they build that for the Penguins? In terms of a hockey market, not seeing it. Um, Portland, well, <laughs> they almost had the Coyotes twice. So The relocation site that nobody talks about, that was the only one that actually was close to becoming reality. Yeah. What if you if you live in Milwaukee and you're a hockey fan? Nope, which no Canadian cities on that list. Uh, no, he just put. Really, other people yeah. other people responded to him and said one Canadian city. Which Canadian city would that be? 
Which Canadian city is ready for a team? Maybe Hamilton. Moose Jaw. Maybe Hamilton. Not Quebec. Sorry. No, Quebec's not. Sure, you have fans. That's one revenue source. What yeah, else you I got? I guess Hamilton you got, is possible. You got corporate sponsorships in Quebec? Mm, nah, you don't. If you're a hockey fan in Milwaukee, and I'm assuming most people in Milwaukee are hockey fans, what NHL team do they, they pull for then? Milwaukee? Yeah, I'm fascinated by Probably this. Probably not the Blackhawks because people in Wisconsin hate Chicago. Yeah, they want to especially, take well, they, they have, yeah. Do you know the term that they have for people from Illinois? No. It's FIB. The only part of that acronym that I can say on the air is Illinois, the should, middle one. Should we, F- should we, should we have Illinois? Say it? B. Okay, we'll have. So there it yeah, is. We'll Fibs. have. We'll have uh, yeah, I don't just, think they root for the Blackhawks. Okay, well, that sounds that's good. Um, that might be it. The other, the um, I guess the wrinkle on the Taylor Hall thing that Timmy Haight asked is, what if he agrees only if he is also made captain? I, I can't see him doing that. Hall. No. I almost wouldn't want that if I were a player. Like uh, that'd be weird. That that would be such a weird yeah. statement to make. And then he walks into the locker room like, yeah, I stayed because. No, I don't. I don't think he even cares about that. Yeah, that, that's weird. In terms of expansion, they keep losing teams, so maybe that's a indicative of the, the market. But what do you think about San Diego for hockey? The Gulls do really well there. Yeah, where would Grant, they play? It's a lower ticket price. Well, that's that's yeah. That arena is pretty small. You'd have to build one. Yeah, but there's a lot of money there. I there's, went to a San Diego Gulls game actually last month and or two months ago. It was great, a great experience. Yeah. But right yeah. there on the beach. Yeah, like three minutes from the beach. It's great. Yeah, it was it was a good time. And San Diego is like the coolest city in America. It is. So. It's the best weather. It's amazing. Yeah. And they have one team left. That's the thing. That's what would make it interesting to me. The only the only professional like top level team in town is the Padres, who yeah. play all summer. Right. So you're not even in competition with them. And there's the universities that are there. You're not in competition with them either. They're no. not. They're not big enough for you people get to college care. Kids at your game too. I mean, yeah. it's. it's it's interesting I, I to me. It'd be the only that. game in town for most of the season. Here, but one, see, one thing I worry about with that, though, and this is true of all professional sports teams, I hammer this point all the time, is the, I guess, uh, the fallacy maybe is too strong a word, but just the idea that you got to put sports teams in the biggest markets. And, you know, I, I use this analogy all the time. Look at one of the top teams in college football is in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and Ann Arbor, Michigan. Like, I, that you can't always apply that same logic to professional sports, but I think San Diego has too much going on and too many interesting things that you could do there that I don't know if people would want to necessarily go see a hockey game, and I don't know if the culture lends itself. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that's a hockey I just city. want to be on the beach, man. I don't care. <laughs> that's that's the reasoning behind uh, Craig's logic here. That's going to be B- Gary Bettman's response when somebody tries to put a team in San Diego. I just want to be on the beach. We have a lot of questions, actually, about Houston. A lot more than just that one. And this is from Daniel Skywalker, whose hashtag is NHL Houston. When do you think Houston will get an NHL team? Do you think Houston will get an expansion team after Seattle? Or if Houston gets a relocation, who do you see moving to Houston? Well, he used a lot of his characters on the word Houston. He could have just said Houston once. Um, I mean, if they expand again, that would give them an odd number of teams after all this. I would think it would be to Houston. Yeah, Houston is – they love Houston. Bill Daly has said, we love Houston. <laughs> but it's going to be a while. You need an arena there, too. Yeah. You're not going to go play in that arena. First of all, they don't. the owner doesn't want it. So they have to. That's a problem. Right? Uh, Brendan, assuming the Yotes miss the playoffs and Taylor Hall does his draft lottery voodoo thing again, does Arizona move someone to make room for Lafernier? 
Can you imagine if this is the year of the Coyotes, they finish like one point out of the playoffs and they get the first pick in the draft somehow? <laughs> and, get a win- and get a wing. <laughs> <laughs> After all that. <laughs> uh, yes, that would be so on brand. Richard writes We finally in, won the lottery. Oh, look, a wing. Yeah. What would they do? I would still take him because next to franchise center, what's the other thing that they haven't had? I just wrote about this. A goal scorer. Redeem Verbata is the best goal scorer they've had in the past decade. Uh, Richard writes in, any news on a new arena and who is Matt Lehman? Well, Matt... The floor is who yours. is this Richard who, who guy? Is, yeah, who I is have that? suspicions. I don't know who that uh, is. His last name is Morin. If you guys know this, uh, this individual, that does not ring a bell. I don't know. Is this that the guy is. that I watched fall down on the ice several times? <laughs> oh, like the entire video was about him falling down on yeah, the ice. Yeah, the video guy. Yeah, I assumed he was yeah. just blocking shots. But. I thought I'd learned something about hockey, but I just watched Rick Morin falling down on the ice multiple times. You just learned something about Rick Morin's skating ability. Yes, I did. Wow. Okay, this is brutal. Uh, Brandon, I saw somewhere that we've had five comebacks from being down two goals this season. Question is, when was the last time they came back from da- being down three goals? Off the top of my head, I don't know. I feel like... Who can say? I feel like they did this last year. <laughs> I like that. I, Wait, I, I like that response, who actually. Say? It's going to be a go-to. <laughs> who can say? There's really no correct answer to that question. No, they did it against Minnesota uh, last year, didn't they? Was that last no, year? I was going to say, not this year. <laughs> no, no. They just fell behind by three goals. Mm. Didn't they... Um, lost their goalie. They had a... I don't know if it was last year or the year before where they like turned their season around coming back from way down against Minnesota. Was that up there? Yeah, and then they did yeah, it again down here. Game. I think I was at that game. It all blends. When they were down 2 nothing to Buffalo, it felt like they were down about 20 goals. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry. Who can say? Thank you. Um, Thank you, the Matt. You're I'm welcome. using that one. I, I got to read Jason's question. Is Just, this Jason Demers? No. No, okay. Um, he said, I'm not going to read all the stats because... It's a podcast, but you can, I guess, find them because he tagged us on Twitter. Keller's received some well-earned criticism from you guys lately, but Luke's stance on his poor second-half output got me curious, so I checked the numbers, and he goes through them. It's three tweets long, but at the end, he says, Keller was actually producing all through 2017-18, despite what Luke said about him disappearing that season. He's done so these past two years, however. Uh, 17-18 being his rookie season? Is he, is he talking about... Uh, yeah, okay. okay. Well, I'll, I'll just I'll tell you right now. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but 2017-18... He had a great October, trailed off. He had a great month in the second half of the season. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I want to say it was March. From the start of March to the end of the season, he had 21 points in 20 games. That was six goals and 15 assists. So he, on paper, was producing during that time. Yes. Okay. His rookie year was his best year. We agree. That was 2017-18. That was by far his best year. No question. But there was definitely a stretch in there prior to March where he, you could not rely on him for anything more than a secondary assist for a good two months. Well, now, he was a rookie that finished six five points. His rookie year, to me, like I said, his best year, and there's nothing wrong with his rookie season. No. It's the last two years. And I, I would need to dive deeper into the numbers, but I know this year he went 20 games with one goal, and he needs to not do that. If <laughs> I mean, You're built around him being a good player. That's a four-goal pace. That's not good enough. And last year in the second half, he absolutely disappeared in the second half of the season. He may have had points. Check deeper. They were secondary assists. They were not... He was not the player no. last year that he was the year before. That's, I would that's agree undeniable. That. We've all talked about it. I mean, they've all talked about how it was an offseason for him. So Keller yeah. wouldn't deny that. Yeah, there's there's no arguing that. So, But if he plays the way he did on Saturday, 
That's that's the player that like they drafted. Said, that's the blueprint, and it's the complete game that he played. Now, look, he's he's not going to produce three points tonight. That's not going to happen. There there are going to be games where he doesn't give you a point, and that that was what I was saying. How can you impact the game in other ways? Dave Tippett always used to talk about this. You can't just be and and this was the thing that infuriated so many people about Anthony Duclair. If he's not scoring, what's he doing? Yeah, what's exactly. he doing out there? Exactly. Find another way to impact the game. The, uh, and that's why we don't get on a guy like Lawson Kraus if he doesn't have right. a point, because Kraus is doing 10 different things out there that are impacting the game. He's making his line mates better, whether he gets assists or not. Keller last year, to close out the season, one assist in the last nine games. They missed the playoffs by how many points? Yeah. If, if you picked an unsung hero from this team, would Lawson Kraus be it? Yeah. Yeah, I think he might be for me, too. But I do think that Coyotes fans see his value. Yeah. I think that Lawson Krause is a guy that if you are a Sabres fan, right, and you watch the Coyotes for the second time all season on Saturday, you're like, oh, yeah, Lawson Krause, I remember his name. You don't, if you're not a fan of the team, if you don't watch that team consistently, you don't appreciate what a guy like Krause does. Yeah. But uh, Christian Dvorak might be in that running, too. Yeah. There's a guy that's, I mean, although he's gone quiet a little bit lately, but. He's... Back to Keller, though. I mean, we do spend a lot of time talking about Clayton Keller, at least the last two podcasts we have, and it's not just him. As we all know. I mean, there's well, there they, are other people on this team who should be producing and who aren't, and we don't spend nearly as much time on them. Yeah, we've talked about, we've talked about Phil Kessel, Kessel for quite a, a bit. Chunk of that <laughs> season. Yeah. 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 No, was, I'm not trying to criticize the three of us on this podcast. I'm just saying that it's it's just not... Just it's Jamie. Not, it's, yeah. Okay, it, just go ahead and say that. No, I mean, it's, it's, not, just, uh, it's not just Clayton Keller. I mean, there's other Nick ones, Schmaltz, too. There's, yeah, Nick, Nick Schmaltz, Schmaltz, Phil Kessel. Nick yeah, Schmaltz those, still hasn't woken up, to be honest. Yeah, so. it, it's one of the weirdest things in the world. Nick Schmaltz still leads this team in points. No, oh, doesn't Keller now? Yeah, it's Keller now. Or he did. Okay, yeah, going game, into yeah. the uh, yeah. So Keller but now. Yeah, is Schmaltz 40, is right there. Schmaltz is forty-two yeah. points. Yeah, which is look. Again, you have to go. It's it's what we're talking about at the start of the show. You have to raise your standard now. If you're talking about being a playoff team, your leading point producer having forty-three points. Yeah, not good enough. Dryside will get that in a week. And he's he's been cold <laughs> recently because there was a there was a time where I thought Nick Schmaltz might get to sixty points this season the way he's going. And, oh yeah, he started off on it. His first two yeah. games were miserable, and then he went on a tear for yep. I don't know. Um, Garland still leads the team in goals, twenty two. That's great for Connor Garland, and it's a it's a really good season. I'm not, not taking away from him, but you need to have multi. You need to have a couple thirty goal scorers to really get where they ultimately want to go. Thirty goal scorers, I know, and they're not going to have one this yeah, year. It has what's been a long time. They might make the playoffs, it's which been is a long time. Really, all that matters at this point. It's been a long time since we started this podcast. Yes. so it was enjoyable not having Jamie here. Um, I hope he listens and hears just that one line. Matt, thanks for thanks for being here. It was my pleasure. Thanks for enduring Craig's uh, disapproving stares midway through the show. Yeah, there were a lot of those. Yeah, that's, that's what he does. He's just used to looking to his right angrily during the show. Yeah, it is a habit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. From Matt Lehman and Craig Morgan, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hat Trick Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the coffee and munchkins. I did.